The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour on a Saturday, and that's a good thing, at least the way we hear it. And we'd like to say hello, getting us started, keeping us on an even keel. Of course, we're talking about he who prefers to be referred to simply as the, the dude. dude. That's Mike Roberge. Michael, how are you doing today? Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Suzanne. Uh, I am doing well, and I need to ask, how are you guys doing? We are doing very well. I, I had a cold for three or four weeks. It's finally gone. And um, and our weather here has finally cooled down to fall temperatures, which means it's going into the 70s rather than the 80s. Well, that's that's good. I wish we had some of your uh, uh, warmer weather. weather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of gray. It's, we've had a spectacular fall in terms of... Uh, of just the leaves, just unbelievable. But uh, right now it's turning gray, and it's probably going to be that way for a while. But we'll survive. It, it's cloudy here all day today, and I said to Gary this morning, this reminds me of Seattle because it's just a gray day. But warmer. It, it is warmer, yes. It reminds me of some spring days in Seattle. And, you know, when you live in the sunshine state, you get more than your share. And so when I have a day like this, it makes me a, a bit nostalgic for my Puget Sound days, but I also just like it. It's nice to have a break from the sun, though you wouldn't have a lot of takers for that point of view in Seattle. But you come down to a place where it's just all around you seemingly all the time and warm at night. Sometimes, oh, some of those clouds are so beautiful. And I miss the weather forecast, Mike, where we used to have Harry Wappler talking about the cloud deck. That's right. Well, Harry's still with us in spirit, but I'm afraid... Uh... Both he and um, Andy, who was his protege son, uh, who's no longer doing uh, TV weather, he's uh, <laughs> he went he went and got a I was going to say a real job, but he went and got another job. Uh, so he's a communications person for a significant or a large uh, power um, utility company here in the Northwest. Oh, okay. Well, that must have been his dream come true, eh, Suzanne? Uh, yeah, why don't we talk dreams today? What okay, do you think? let's segue. Kelly Sullivan Walden is on a mission to awaken the world to the power of dreams. She is a certified clinical hypnotherapist whose unique approach to dream therapy led her to become a trusted advisor, coach, and consultant for thousands of individuals, including Fortune 500 executives, UN ambassadors, celebrities, inner city kids, and stay-at-home moms. Her dream insights have been featured on many national talk shows, including The Dr. Oz Show, Ricky Lake, The Real, Bethany, Coast to Coast, and Hallmark's Home and Family. In addition to the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle Cards, Kelly is also the author of Dream Oracle Cards and 10 books, including Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams in the Unexplainable, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and Premonitions. I had the strangest dream. It's all in your dreams. Dreaming Heaven, The Love, Sex, and Relationship Dream Dictionary, Discover Your Inner Goddess Queen, and Goddess Queen Pearls of Wisdom Journal. And this is her 19th, 19th appearance on Manson Mitchell in the 13 years, uh, we're in our 13th year now, 12 plus years we've been on air, and we are pleased to have one of our absolute A-listers with us, Kelly Sullivan Walden. How are you today, Kelly? I am 
so happy to be with you guys. It's just the best lucid dream of all when I get to have a morning with the three of you, the dude and Suzanne <laughs> and Gary. I And it's for 2019. This is my 19th show. And I'm yep. just inserting myself. I'm going to have to be on a 20th time in 2020. So well, I'm, just, I, I'm putting my yep. dance card vote in. <laughs> yep. Oh, you are so right. We will make it early in 2020 and it'll be 20 and 2020 and today's 19 and 2019. And Aww. one of the things that I wrote to you about that, you know, is that Gary and I got the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle deck about a year ago. And Gary and I each Pull one card every Saturday morning. It's a Saturday morning ritual. And so we mm. pull a card every week. We, When we shuffle the cards, we say, what is it that we need to know this week? What is, where is our journey, our hero's journey taking us this week? And what should we be aware of? And we pull our cards. And I have to say, Kelly, the entire deck is so beautiful and so positive that every single week when I pull my card, I say, oh, my gosh, I got the best one this week. <laughs> that today, makes me today, so happy. Today I pulled the magic zone, number 43, the exhilaration wow. of discombobulation. Sounded like it was written by Johnny Cochran there with all that rhyming. <laughs> and, um, and Gary got 33, discover your superpower. And he got that wow. for the second time. Uh, Magic Zone I got for the first time, which is kind of interesting to us when we get repeats. And so mm -hmm. what is your take on it? I know what our take is. What's your take on our repeating some of our cards? Well, like a recurring dream, I think that it just signifies importance. It means that there's something that, you really need to know, like really look at this and go take it a little bit deeper. And, you know, I think, I think just like with a regular dream or with a regular pull of an Oracle card, you could be like, Oh, that's interesting. That's nice. Okay. Moving on. And you move on about your day. But when you get it for the second or third or fourth time, you think, okay, I really need to drop into the meaning of this. The universe is speaking loudly and I want to hear. So it just, to me, it means to drop in a little bit deeper. What about you? What's your take on it? Well, that's pretty much Gary's take on it. And interestingly <laughs> enough, for the fourth time, not today, but for four times in 2019, he's picked <laughs> divine drunkenness. <laughs> <laughs> Surrender oh, to your spiritual reverie. Yeah. <laughs> Gary and the divine drunkenness. There's no way I could spin that and make it sound good. Yes, you can, because the Rumi quote that that card opens with is, to me, it's one of the it's one of the greatest messages about being in a spiritual reverie. It's like, what is the quote? I'm gonna I'm not gonna say it exactly right, but it's, I'm so lost. I've lost the way in and the way out. I've lost the sun, the moon, the stars. Don't pour another drop in my cup. Pour it in my mouth. <laughs> ah. for, oh, the wine, meaning the wine. He's so drunk, so drunk. And so it's like Rumi, he writes so, he just expands the playing field. I mean, this is to me what, what it's all about. This is what the awakening zone is. This is like what we're, what we're doing 
in in all the and all our spiritual work is to get to the place where we are drunk on spirit where we're so in love and we're our egos are not in control and and we're completely at one with the universe and we're maybe tipped upside down but we're having a blast so i love it and i i just say cheers to you gary on picking one of my very favorite cards i mean they're all my favorite but that is definitely one of my top favorite cards well, he's only picked that card four times, and then we've got, um, you know, some twos and a few threes mixed in there. The only card that I've picked four times is the unknown is your friend, number 24. Ah. Lean oh, in to wow. embrace what's next. And okay. so, yeah, and, and I love that card. I Thank live you. in the mystery. I just picked that one yesterday, Suzanne. Really? Yes. Yeah. As my my husband and I every morning we we pick a card for the day and that was my card for yesterday and that one makes me so happy the the vision is a the visual is a woman looking over her shoulder at this unknown territory and it's all bright and shiny and like wow what if there's magic over there so maybe maybe the unknown isn't so scary maybe I'll take some bold steps and maybe leap on over there so what does it mean to you you know, some some years ago, I had a psychic and or mediumistic reading, and the the person who was reading me said that what she understood was that I was okay living in the mystery. I don't feel like I need to know everything. There are things that I just accept without really... Um, knowing them, where they came from, how they happened, or, you know, how life is unfolding. And I thought about that for a long time. And I, I finally really agreed, there are things that I don't pursue or drive down or resolve to the nth degree. I just mm. know that, you know, when I leave this life, there will be a lot that I did not understand. And, and that's true for everybody, but like people, they think that somehow they're going to um, master their own experience, their own life. If I could just know why, if I could just know the reason, if I could just understand. And so it's like this constant logical left brain. If you can give me the answer and I understand, then and I'll be fine. And, and I think that that's a struggle that people have. And, oh, I, yeah. and I think when each of us leaves this earthly coil and goes to another realm, the other side, we are going to see how much we didn't know, how much we didn't understand, how many things were going on in such a, a complicated matrix. And we're just a little piece of that. And I'm okay a lot of times without really knowing or understanding things. And so I do feel like I live in the mystery. And rather than mm. that, uh, the unknown is your friend, rather than being frightened by that, I, mm. I kind of shrug my shoulders and I say, welcome, show me what's next. <laughs> what, what's oh. next? Surprise me. What's next? Mm. Well, that to me feels like you're someone who trusts universe you have a healthy relationship with 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 god with the unknown and with the mystery and i think you and einstein 
hang out in that space together and 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 relish those unknown moments. I love the saying that understanding is the booby prize. So, yeah. you know, even if we do get to fully understand, it's like, oh, the sacrifice that it took in order to get there, it, we had to give up so much in order to get there. We had to give up a lot of joy and a lot of, a lot of dancing and a lot of wildness, a lot of freedom in order to just understand. And I think sometimes understanding catches up to us and maybe the heart understands everything and maybe the spirit understands everything, but our mind is like the calculator that it might just take a little bit longer and for it to slow us down would be a shame. So I think we should, we should follow in your footsteps, Suzanne, as you chart the unknown and we'll all be close, close behind. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to put one little bow on this and then I, I have to bring my buddy into the conversation yeah. here too, because yeah, you and I, uh, the females have been dominating, but the, yeah. the, uh, the, the poem, A Rose by Any Other Name Would Smell as Sweet, has to do with the fact that when we know something, when we know like how it's put together or what the, what the elements are, the atoms, the different components, the chemicals, the this, the that, the name of something, the color of something, we miss the essence of the experience mm. of just being in the presence of that thing. Mm. And so there's another reason to just live in the mystery is to experience something without wanting to know it from an education point of view as to how many sides it has or how many colors or how much it weighs, because that's a different experience. That's a knowledge experience, but it's not uh, an essence experience mm. and so the yeah. essence of a rose to be in the presence to smell it to see it but to not be you know taking it apart logically to just uh, enjoy it you know there's a lot of life to be enjoyed without really understanding and so that's all I want to say about that you pick daily we pick Amen. weekly and uh, and you know I want to say the Hero's um, Journey Dream Oracle Cards, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful holiday gift. Go out and buy it. Good. I <laughs> like it, Kelly. <laughs> that was, do you give some of those as Christmas gifts? I mean, is that the kind of thing you're comfortable handing out to people as a stocking stuffer, as it were? Mm. Oh, me? Oh, yeah. I think it's a, it would be like a cool stocking stuffer. It may, it might you might need a bigger stocking because it's a little thick, but but I think it would I think it would be a great stocking stuffer. It's a beautiful idea. I can't believe we're already talking stocking stuffers. It we're getting so in quickly, that but... in that frame of mind. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kelly, I wanted to ask you about the dream process. We get into that a lot when you come at nineteen times now, and and we uh, always mm -hmm. seem to gravitate toward it, mainly because I bring mm -hmm. it up. But I'd like to know, yeah. Kelly, about the stories that people tell you. You're much in the media. You get on TV. You have your radio show. Do people often give you strong evidence of the power of dreams to both create reality in the objective world as well as solve problems that seem otherwise insoluble to people who are in a state of confusion? Is there What would the mechanics mm. of dreams 
do toward solving problems and creating something out of whole cloth, you might say? Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, let's see where I can go with this, because there's a lot I can say on this subject. But I'll, I'll just talk about something that happened recently. Um, my on, on my show recently, um, I asked Dr. Dream Show on Unity Online Radio. I had uh, my friend Joan Gelfand on, and she's somebody who's a dreamer, and she's a writer, and she's a really creative person. And on the show, we were she was confiding in, regardless of how prolific she is, she's been plagued with a lot of, by a lot of self-doubt. Um, when you're a creative person, on a daily basis, there's, it's like she said, you could, it's like on the hour, you can clock the insults or the rejections. <laughs> it's like they just come. And, and then there's these high, these, these graceful moments, but self-doubt and criticism from other people, it's just, it's just kind of, it's, it's not an easy path to be somebody who's creative and then putting your work out in the world. And but we were talking about the difference between the struggle of of putting out some of the creative things that have that she's put out versus this this film that we made together um, called the Ferlinghetti School of Poetics that's just been winning all kinds of awards. It just won the the World Film Festival Best Short Film, Best Poetry Film, and it's been accepted into Cannes and all kinds of film festivals all over the world, at least 15 at this point. And we were talking about how easy that process was because it felt to me like if I was to say ease in creating versus struggle, to me, if you coat yourself in a dream and let yourself be guided by the wisdom of a dream, then things tend to flow more magically, it tends to be like the card Suzanne pulled today, the, the magic zone. It tends to be maybe a little bit discombobulated, but magical. So, so Joan wrote this poem based on a dream that she had. I heard the poem, and I said, that's a short film. Let's make it. Dana, grab your camera. Let's go to San Francisco. And we just followed the breadcrumbs. And before we knew it, there was this short film that was just kind of trippy, kind of abstract. And who knew if anyone would ever watch it, but it was fun to make. And it's been such a door opener for, for Joan's career. And, and I don't know about necessarily for my career, but apparently I'm now a co-producer and co-director of films that's won awards. So who knows? Good for you. Congratulations. Me, we were, thank you. But we were talking about the difference between this project and so many of the others. And we could say that it was like taking guidance from on high that was very specific. I mean, we, we were comparing it to James Cameron, who made the movie Avatar. And that whole movie and the whole place of Pandora and the language and so many of the visuals came directly out of his dream journal that was him transcribing his dream. And he said that that process of making that movie was so, like, um, relatively speaking, easy because it just it came from a higher source. So to me, it just feels smart and efficient and elegant if we do get some kind of idea or if we have an idea that comes from even the mundane. And we, if we dream about it and ask our dreams for guidance and we get some bizarre, interesting image from the dream and we meditate on that, we percolate on that, it tends to open up 
a room in the mansion of expansion within our minds that otherwise would have remained closed. But it being open, it gives us, it fortifies us with more insight, more of a strategy, a way of, to be able to circumvent the ordinary things that would be like the insult that would that might stop us or slow us down. Does that make sense? It makes sense and leads to a couple of questions. Kelly, did you get a chance to meet Lawrence Ferlinghetti? No, no, but it's his, it's his, I think it's his 90th, 90th birthday. I think he's um, older than I, that, actually. I was wondering if he was still alive. I think he was pushing, I, if he's not 100, he's 100. very close to it. Maybe it was his 100th birthday. It might have been this, this last year. It was a big birthday for him. So I know that that kind of coincided with a lot of these film festivals. But no, we never got to meet him in person yet. But I, I think he's still alive. I believe he is. Yes. Ferling Getty was one of the very first poets that I read in my freshman year of college from an absolutely wonderful English teacher. And when I read Ferlinghetti, I, I, I was just uh, amazed. It was wonderful. I was taken to other places mentally, and I really became uh, quite enthralled with Ferlinghetti. So, Coney Island of the Mind. That was the book mm. that we had. What is the name of mm. your film again, uh, Kelly? It's called The Ferlinghetti School of Poetics, and he just turned... 99 on March 24th. Oh, wait a minute. Wow. No, he turned 100. Because that was back in... Okay, so he is 100 years old as of March huh. 24th. I'm glad it was appropriately wow. marked. What a jubilant occasion. My other question yeah. for you, Kelly. Now, you went up there. You went to San Francisco. Yes, we did. Okay. I want to ask you straight up. What is your opinion of the city today? Well... I, I I spent a lot of time in San Francisco growing up. I've had um, lots of family members live up there, so I'm I consider San Francisco a second home. Um, even though I, in the last 20 years I haven't spent much time up there, but um, it does seem more gentrified, kind of like in the same way that Hollywood is and New York City and Manhattan is. Um, but I still I still enjoyed it. I I loved it. We. We primarily, in filming this, we were in the City Lights area by the City Lights bookstore in the, I think, what did we, Telegraph Hill, and um, kind of in the areas where the beat poets hung out. So that was where we went for the filming of this. And there's a lot of it that is still intact, a lot of the bars and restaurants and, and some of the seedy, <laughs> the seedier aspects of town are still intact. Um, so... I, I like it. Why? What? Why? I can tell there's a. You've got something in, inside that question, Gary. I do. But I would love. Last time I was in San Francisco was in 1980. I understand the place has changed a bit since then. I would like to go back with Suzanne and have the experience. I say that with the proviso that, <laughs> and it doesn't just come from Donald Trump's tweets. But I have oh. heard from numerous people that San Francisco is a socioeconomic train wreck right now, that mm. there are parts of the city with all the money that floods in and the cost of living is astronomical. And astronomical. with that being the case, nevertheless, there is tremendous social dislocation, poverty, mm. homelessness, drug abuse, yeah. 
lack of sanitary facilities in parts of the city, while others remain these wonderful landscapes that draw millions of tourists every year. So uh, I guess what I'm saying to you is I envy you your trip to San Francisco. I hope mm. to go there myself. I certainly want to see City Lights Bookstore. I absolutely, for me, that's a bucket list item. And at mm -hmm. the same time, I'm cautious because I have been warned that if you think you're going to San Francisco as this completely charming Baghdad by the Bay, where you go and have mm. this wonderful experience, such as I did in the mid-1960s, as I did in 1968, going up there a couple of weeks after Robert Kennedy's assassination with all oh. of the turmoil and having my eyes open to what life was like back in the day. And then in 1980, where I had myself a pretty good time. And now, mm. if I go in 2020, yeah. for example, I'm not quite sure what to expect, but I know it will be different. It's definitely, I mean, there is a lot of extremes there, but I, I still, I mean, I guess because I was just looking for what I was looking for, I wasn't there as a journalist to just take in everything. I was, I was focusing on kind of the beat poet aspect and, and the parts to me that were charming, Fisherman's Wharf and the, the bridges at night. But there's still a lot of magic in that city, and and I I feel protective of it. <laughs> I think it's still beautiful in spite of in spite of the mess. And yeah, there is still there's a lot of poverty and drug abuse and all that that you said. So I think it's a mixed bag, but it's still worth going to. I hope that I will get there again sometime soon. Absolutely, it's romantic well, at night when you see those bridges. They're pretty magical. It's true. And you can see the shadow of the hills beyond yeah. and the bay itself. Yes, it, it yeah. can be quite gorgeous. And that's why a lot of people leave their hearts there, frankly. So, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yes, so, yeah, exactly. And um, actually, I heard uh, Tony Bennett sing that song here in Sarasota at Van Wazel Hall. That was quite interesting. I mean, his voice is fairly shot at this point he's in his 90s there but it still sounded sweet to us when we heard him one night several years ago here we are talking to kelly sullivan walden everything under the sun everything under the moon we're talking about dreams and dreamy places dreamy people it's a wonderful time every time she joins us let's go ahead and take our one break of this hour and when we come back We'll get more into the mysticism of dreams and the mechanics of mysticism, which sounds like a contradiction in terms. We'll find out whether or not that is actually the case. We'll do that on the other side of a short break. You're listening to Manson Mitchell at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. 
The holiday gift-giving season soon will be right around the corner. It's not too early to fuel the open road dreams of special people in your life with a subscription to American Road Magazine. With exciting features, quality writing, and beautiful photography in every issue, American Road makes a perfect gift for road-tripping moms and dads, gallivanting grandparents, adventurous aunts and uncles. Maybe that special friend will enjoy it too. Visit American Road roadmagazine.com that's americanroadmagazine.com click subscribe and for a limited time you can enter the code KKNW to receive 25% off your subscription on Friday Manson Mitchell welcomed Caroline Heldman professor of politics at Occidental College who specializes in presidential systems and addresses the impeachment inquiry hearings on Saturday, Catherine Lafon rings in Thanksgiving week with thoughts about our relationship to food, seasoned with gratitude and appreciation. Bringing you fascinating talks since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Kelly Sullivan Walden. That was the crew cuts. Now, you would think that song would be called Life is a Dream, but it's not. The title of the song is Shaboom Shaboom. (laughs) And and who loved that song so much? Larry King. He would actually sing that song when he did his radio show, nationally syndicated. I can remember hearing it late night as I was driving around there, and I thought, wow, that that song really impressed Larry King. And it is a classic, there's no doubt. Shaboom, shaboom. We have Kelly Shaboom Sullivan Walden with us today. (laughs) Kelly Shaboom. If people would like to get your dream oracle cards, and they should, or any one of your absolutely wonderful books about dreams, where is the best place they can do that? What is your website, Facebook, social media, radio show? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Now, you don't have an hour. You just have a few minutes. So tell people how they can connect (laughs) with you and get what it is that you're putting out there in the dream world. Wow. The best place is is my website, kellysullivanwalden.com. And if that's too hard to spell, you can go to IHadTheStrangestDream.com and sign up to get some free dream gifts from me, some new dream meditations. And you can buy all of my books in the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle Cards wherever books or Oracle Card decks are sold. And if they don't have them, they'll order them for you. But you can get them on Amazon or anything like that. They're, they're all over the place. Um, I have a new um, journey that's coming up to Teotihuacan, Mexico, and we actually are extending the special discounted price, the early bird price. So it's um, if you want to go to Teotihuacan and start the new year in 2020 with 2020 Vision, join me in Teotihuacan in January. You can go to my website, kellysullivanwalden.com, and just scroll down the homepage and click on the Teotihuacan banner and find out how you can join me on this amazing dream journey. So that, that's what's cooking over here. Thank Sounds you. great, Kelly. I mentioned the mechanics of mysticism before we went to the break. In I terms that. of that, it just occurred to me, the mechanics of mysticism. One of the things I know you are famous for advocating, Kelly, is maintaining a dream journal. What I mm-hmm. want to know is, yeah. and maybe many of our listeners would love some good advice here, 
if you're going to maintain a dream journal, is it good to prime the pump of your dreams by saying to your subconscious mind as you're preparing to go to sleep what it is you would hope to see or to achieve by means of your dreaming of a given night? Absolutely. And let me just throw in one quick little shameless plug because it's this, these just came out. We have a new Hero's Journey Dream journal and Hero's Journey Dream Meditations so the journal is a great, big, big pages, pretty, pretty images, great to, to draw in. And the meditations are there to prompt, um, to get to, there's lots of questions and space for your own mind to answer the, the call to what is it that you want to dream about this night. So it's, it's helped, it helps sometimes to have um, a meditation that you can listen to to help you remember what is important to me. What is it that I want my dreams to help me with? And you don't have to borrow a meditation or lean on a meditation. You could do it yourself. But I find that most people, by the time they go to sleep, they're tired and they're, they just kind of want to fall asleep or they're watching television or they're listening to something and they're not thinking about how can I strategically lean on my dreams to help me in my life. So I love what you said, Gary. Um, it's an important thing for people to know that your dreams can do the heavy lifting for you if you let them. And one way to let them do that is by focusing for a few minutes before you go to sleep. And sometimes it's the meditation that will help provide that space for you. Um, where you focus on what is it that you're up to in your life? What is it that you could use some help with? If you were going to call on an angel and an angel or a genie appeared, what, would, what question would you ask? What guidance would you ask? So that's what you, you formulate that question before you go to sleep as best as you can. And then in the dream, you, you simply dream, let your subconscious mind do what, it, do what it wants to do. And then upon awakening, as best you can, remember some part of the dream, get in the habit of pulling up some part of whatever you were dreaming about. And if you wake up blank, then just access whatever it is that was on the top of your mind. If there was a song playing in your mind, if there was some thought about your grandma, or whatever that was, consider that that's also a thought that's coming to you courtesy of your dreaming mind. And ask yourself, how is this a clue? How is How might, by me meditating on this, why, why, how might that help to expedite my journey towards manifesting or healing or building, whatever it is that you're working on? And so that's one of the easy ways to, to let your mind do that. That's part of the mechanics. I'm, I'm working on a new book right now called Dreamifesting, where I actually break down these steps a little bit more specifically. And I'm looking forward to, in 2020, getting to share that with you. But in the meantime, what I just said, I think, will, will give people a boost toward maximizing the magic and the mysticism and the mechanics of their dreams. I really like that you are so passionate about dreams for all their potential. There's so many ways, so many angles you can take, Kelly, in looking at dreams. If you take the evolutionary yeah. standpoint, and we've talked about this before, you can wonder about those tigers outside the cave and how are you going to survive so you are mentally alert, even in your sub, and always perpetually in your subconscious mind. And through the dream process, you become aware many times through symbols of dangers that must be uppermost in mind mm -hmm. in your waking life. And all of that gets processed. It's in the dream soup so that you can, in evolutionary terms, 
face the dangers that the next day may bring. It isn't so romantic. It is scientifically explainable. But I've always felt like there's a whole lot more to dreams than just worrying about present dangers and being put on alert. I think there's something inherently creative about dreams. Absolutely. There's, there was a Harvard study that, that was talking about how, and I love this because it really brings the airy-fairy and the nitty-gritty together. In this study, they were talking about the bizarre way that our dreams speak to us. And in, when, we, when we pay attention to the bizarre language of our dreams, and because it's our dreams, we give it to ourselves. There's a certain um, street cred that it has. It's like it must mean something. But in the focusing on the bizarreness of the dream, we, we start to think in a different language, and it, and it elevates us. It puts us in a different frequency of thought that is inherently more creative and more intuitive than our ordinary mundane way of thinking. And I, and I even think about how when I start my day, I always start off by, by recording my dream because if I don't do that first, then it will be gone. So that has to happen first. And then I do a meditation that's kind of a mindfulness meditation. But then I, I think about one symbol from the dream that stood out as bizarre or particularly interesting. And I just percolate on that. I just, like, kind of without even having to know exactly what it meant, by looking at it and being curious about it, it opens up my mind. And even if that symbol was something that did feel scary or dangerous, by focusing on it, it elevates my consciousness. And all of a sudden, I'm no longer afraid because I'm in a higher realm. And I said before, it's like these dream symbols can help us access realms or rooms in the mansion of expansion of our own mind, our own consciousness. And once those places are open, they can continue to open if we stay inside the meditation and follow the breadcrumbs of where they want to lead. And they never want to leave us feeling scared or feeling worried. It's never just about, here's a practical solution that will help you in your waking life. But I think if we continue to follow the breadcrumbs, it'll bring us into an illuminated state of consciousness that actually renders whatever we were afraid of null and void, because we become of a different consciousness, and those problems just seem to fade without us having to do battle with them and having to work so hard. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. We don't have to work so hard. We don't have to be so stressed. We can enjoy our lives so much more. And one way of being able to access that joy and that ease is through the magic of our bizarre dreams that come to us every single night and are there for the taking in the morning when we wake up. There is a language of dreams, which you know so well, and you've written so much about it. Uh, dreams are not always what they seem to be on the surface. You have demonstrated that repeatedly with us over and over again. It reminds me of when I was in college and I was rather immersed in the French language. I started mm. thinking of things in French and, yeah. and I could I could see where bilingual children would have mm. access to two realms the English realm and the 
the, the, the realm of the language that is spoken at home. And, uh, mm. and, and so I can see where dreams are like another language and you can be equally facile in both the, the beta 3D kind of realm and then the, <laughs> the delta waves realm of, mm. of dreaming if you, you know, want to do that, if you want to take on this whole other realm of living, which goes back to the thing that we promised about your being on here, and that is the role of mysticism in dreams, or is it the reverse is it the role of dreams and mysticism? Is this a chicken egg thing or what with mysticism <laughs> and dreams? Oh, that is definitely a chicken egg thing. I don't know. I I think in the ultimate sense of things, it's all simultaneous. There's no there's no what happens first and what happens later. It's just bam, it's all here. But I. I was thinking, um, as I'm working on this new book, Dreamifesting, and um, I was thinking about how, just even in the Bible, about um, Joseph and the multicolored coat, and um, there's so many, when I think about the realm of dreams, one of, the, one of the things that I do that helps to bridge the mystical to the mundane, because to me, that's, we've, we must do that. It's not enough to just trip out and get mystical and be like, wow, dude, that was cool. But we need to bridge it to this plane, to our to our ordinary lives. So I imagine every day that one symbol, whether it be the symbol, a symbol from a, a recent nighttime dream or even one of my favorite, because we all, if we think about it, we have some of our favorite dreams, the dreams that were the most exciting or inspiring or magical, where we win the lottery or we're swimming with dolphins or hanging out with Jesus. We can take the energy of that dream and wear it like a coat, like put it on, have it touch us, have it touch our skin, step inside of it so that it's not this willowy, elusive thing that's hovering outside of us like a cloud, but it becomes dimensional, three-dimensional. We put it on, we touch it, we feel it, we taste it, and we let our human selves get inside of it. And then once we wear it like a coat, we coat ourselves in it. We become dripping with it. We become drenched in it. Then we just see where we're led and what kind of synchronicities can follow when we wear our own magical technicolor dream coats out into the world each day. Technicolor dream coat. I love that. And that's a musical I have not seen. Another thing for my bucket list. <laughs> I haven't either. That, no. I, the concept of it is wonderful. Kelly, there have been times in my life where I, I can't say that I created anything out of my dreams there. Maybe I did and I've just forgotten. I don't recall anything like that. But I do remember that during times of stressful interpersonal conflict, aspirations thwarted, my, my mm -hmm. daytime dreams frustrated, I would mm -hmm. go to bed with no particular agenda and in my dreaming, I still remember years and years later how I became disillusioned with certain mm -hmm. people, which does not mean I am judging them. I don't mean it in that sense. They were not who I thought they were. 
which doesn't uh -huh. put any responsibility on them. They are who they are, not who I thought they were. See, Correct. but this disillusionment came to me when my defenses were down during my dream time. I found that to be particularly valuable. So let me just get this straight. So in your dream, you you were were you sorting through the pain that you had already experienced by people that had maybe betrayed you or that were you were hurt or in the dream they did something that that hurt you? I would say both because my circumstances at the time were confounding. I didn't know how to work mm. my way through it. And in mm. the dream time, I would experience the sense of, of disillusionment. And I can remember, mm. I don't even know why it happened in this setting there, but this person that, that I was not going to get along with, that became apparent, ah. they left with someone else at an airport ah. after renting a car. And they were in front of me and they took off and I go up to the counter and I remember saying to the clerk at the counter, mm. well, sometimes you just have to wake up. <gasps> and then shortly thereafter, maybe moments later, I woke up, but I woke up with a feeling of disillusionment. It was an aha moment. Okay, that ah. person isn't for me and I'm not for them. This isn't going to work out. Get on with your life, Gary. Wow. Even even though painful, and I'm sorry about that because I never want anybody that I love and care about to have to have any moments of pain, although we don't grow without it sometimes. So I'm, But I'm grateful that you had that dream because, and that you paid attention and that you listened because what an affirmation. I mean, it might have taken you years to, to move on or to have gotten that level of clarity if you hadn't remembered that dream. Our logical mind can be so tough, and it attaches to what it attaches to, but that dream felt undeniable. I think sometimes our dreams exaggerate the circumstances a bit to get our attention, and then we can't help but draw the parallel between what is happening in waking life. So were you able to then take some action that put you in a better place with better people? Yes, not immediately, but it, it set my feet on a new path. I also remember a phrase from that very dream, ignorance gets cured. And I said it oh. in the dream with conviction, ignorance gets cured. And so in the state of disillusionment, which is a painful process, I was able to move forward and it led to much, much better circumstances, one oh. of which I'm one of which I'm sitting across from as we do this broadcast. <laughs> oh, yay! But I had to get so off thanks. one path to get on a better path, see? That is so fantastic. I love it. I love that you're, you're ultimately your dream led you here to this wonderful lady, Suzanne. Um, did, I, did I share with you the wake-up dream from the recent um, Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and the Unexplainable? Did we already talk about that? No, I don't believe so. May I? Quickly share that. Do Please. tell, sister. Well, it reminds me of this dream that you just shared. Um, it's so this woman is, and I can't think of her name right now, but it's in Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and the Unexplainable. She's dreaming that she's in a bar, and a, a beautiful woman comes walking toward her, kind of seductively, and she's got a got a drink in her hand, and she walks right up to her. And she says to her, she yells in her face, wake 
up. And she takes her glass and breaks it over her head. And the woman who's dreaming wakes up to find that she had picked up her own glass on her nightstand, hit herself on the head. The water is spilled everywhere. And she's got, and she was herself was shouting, wake up. So she like is like, wait a minute, what's going on? What, what was that about? She picks up her journal because she's so confused, but she knows there's something she needs to wake up to. And she begins to write and she spends almost the rest of the day. She had, it happened to be on a weekend. She spends the rest of the day writing, 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 ends up writing a short story and and she discovers that she was she'd always wanted to be a writer, but she had never let herself write. She was a creative writing teacher who was busy grading the papers of all of her students who she loved, but she never had time to get to her own writing. And she in the writing that day was the first time she had actually allowed herself to write. She realized what her dream was waking her up to was that she needed to write herself and that she was her life was going down a path that was not the best one for her. So she took, and she had been, she spent a lot of money in this remodel for her house, and she eventually just moved away, took whatever money she had, and got a little place in Mexico, <laughs> and has since written maybe five books and poems, and now she is this very prolific writer on her own. <laughs> it changed her life on a dime. So... I think sometimes we get these loud voices or these stunning things that tell us to wake up, and it is a wake-up call. If we listen to it, our lives can change. So I love that you had one of those, Gary. That's great, and that you ultimately listened to it. I am, too. Yes, it, it altered the course of my life. And we love to hear these stories from people. It gives us encouragement. But I, the caveat is that it's not going to happen overnight very often. You, know, you turn right. a corner, and many times what you see is another corner, right? So uh, when, there, <laughs> when there are circumstances that need to be reviewed and seriously considered or reconsidered, go through the yes. process. It's worth it, but be patient with yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there was a dream that I had years ago kind of on the other side of the spectrum where I had had falling out with a partner, um, a creative partner of mine. And I had no idea why she was so angry, why she was acting so horribly. And in my dream, I was her, and I was looking at Kelly through her eyes, feeling devastated and heartbroken and furious. And I woke up, and I understood why she was so upset and I still had my own point of view I still had my like the reasons why I had made the choices that I had made but it softened my heart and it gave me it made me grab an olive branch and extend it to her and apologize for something that I didn't even realize that I had done that had really hurt her so um, I think our dreams can reveal insight about either our point of view or even maybe somebody else's um ultimately i think the dreams even if they're uncomfortable are on our side helping us to make choices that that are better for us that's one of the things i do too because i have 
for decades believed that our subconscious mind has any number of faculties there. It seems to kind of bend time and space. But one primary objective, uh, one determinative principle about the human subconscious is that it is in our mentality in order to protect us body and soul. Your subconscious is there to protect you. You are the host in your body. This flesh and blood house or vehicle for the soul is also home to the subconscious and the subconscious wants to take care of home base. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So even the scariest dreams that we have, if we look at them through that lens, we, we can know that they're not just there to torment us. They're trying to give us guidance to course correct, that we can, we can take better care of ourselves. And, and if we take good care of ourselves then our dreams don't, I think our dreams can lighten up. They don't feel the need. It's like a, an overprotective parent. If we are making good choices and on track intuitively, then I think our dreams feel at liberty to then become more uplifting and creative and take us into more of the realms of not just surviving, but into, into the human 2.0 where we can explore what thriving looks like through us. And that, that's kind of when it gets really juicy. And I think that's where our dreams are ultimately leading us to the human 2.0 version of us. You know, we're, we're, we're in our last minute here, Kelly. We're still alive when we're dreaming, but we are definitely yeah. in another realm. We are in another type of consciousness that doesn't mm-hmm. have to do with this 3D world, but we're still alive. So it's like we mm-hmm. actually live in two places, one of which we remember very easily, you know, unless we have a lot of memory loss. And the other one is one that we forget every morning. And so I like the idea of trying to remember that other place that I was in for the last, you know, six to eight hours, because I think that's an important part of who we are. So I want to encourage the, the journaling. I want to encourage the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle cards and get with Kelly Sullivan Walden's books because she will help you on your dream journey and uh, and everybody needs a coach once in a while kelly thank you so much for number 19 today we really appreciate your being here with always us. a pleasure kelly thank you gary and suzanne I, I love you so much and mike the dude i love you too thank you for being part of the most magical part of my dream life and i just love you and blessings to all your all your listeners Thank you. And we look forward to visit number 20. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising, and we will return next Friday. Have a good weekend. And anything else, Gary? You said it, lady. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. And stay tuned to AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.